0: So I'm Gemma Cray and I'm here with Len Collins uh, talking about his fabulous film Sanctuary uh, for Film Ireland podcast. Sanctuary existed as a play first. It was commissioned to be written by Christian. How did um, yourself and Christian kind of get involved together to work on this as a feature?
1: Well, Christian and I knew each other already through TV3's Deception. We had met through that. Um, we had also met because, strangely enough, initially we were both up for the same job at Blue Teapot Theatre Company where they, because I got involved because they wanted to make a short film. Yes. So uh, they were looking for a writer to write the short film and uh, myself and Christian were up for the job on that occasion and I got it on that occasion. Um, but obviously Christian, they really liked Christian and they called him back and commissioned him for to write Sanctuary and Petal... Wanted to write. She wanted the the teapots to do a play that was about that issue of intimacy within the world yeah. of intellectual disability and the fact that they're always being watched. They're never, they're never alone. They're never allowed to be on their own. Yeah. And um, so by the time that the play came out, I was already working part time teaching the actors how to act on camera. So uh, we we had done the sh- we didn't ever make the short film, but we. Um, performed it at Culture Night in 2011 in the Druid Theatre, and I directed that performed reading, which we did almost like a stage play. But but yes, when I saw the play, um, it just blew me away, really, because it was the interaction between the actors and the audience. There was kind of like an unwritten contract, which there always is, between... Uh, actors and an audience when you go and see a live play but this contract made the audience kind of almost participate because there was such warmth and joy in the room and that was partly because before the play started Petal announced she was directing the play. She announced that on occasion the actors may forget a line and she would prompt them and she would prompt them loudly. Well this became a performance part of the play particularly with uh, an actor like Patrick Becker Mm -hmm. who plays Andrew in the film um, but he, if he got a laugh, it would kind of throw him. So he'd kind of say, okay, calm down, audience, calm down, I've got <laughs> my line, and he'd make, he'd make a piece of it, kind of yeah. step out of character, get the line, and then into character again, and yeah. this became a wonderful thing to witness. But, of course, what clicked in my head at that point was, this is why film is their medium, Yeah. because they can forget lines or they can do things differently because we do it again and again and again. And when I saw them, the, the different actors have different abilities. That's for sure. Yeah. And if you can write towards those abilities and if you can compensate for that, uh, their attitude itself is 100% professional.
0: Yeah.
1: Not one argument on set, not one crossword. But what they will do is if they don't understand what you want them to do, they'll ask you. Yeah. If they don't like what you want them to do, they'll tell you. And if they think it's tough, they'll just say no. That's silly, Len. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, so you 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 quickly. It's it's interesting because they don't have that kind of side to them. Where I know certainly as an actor myself, and when I've yep. been directed, what it feels like to get a note, and the first thing that goes through your head as an actor is, what did I do wrong? Yeah, and you're paranoid, and you're kind of, and it's why I admire mm-hmm. actors because they go out there and they do it. And they're exposing themselves, and they're exposing themselves to raw emotion quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's something that most people in private life do not do. And it's why we have this kind of whole reality TV culture now, because the people who go up on reality TV like to expose their emotions. The actors do it in a crafted way, In, In reality shows it's more just the personality of the person. But the guys working with them, that was so refreshing because you knew they'd always give hundred percent, and you knew they were always trying to give you exactly what you asked of them. So that that was something that, while I was watching the play, seeing this, knowing through working with them, I afterwards we went to the pub, yeah, as you do, of course. Massimo's in Galway um, and, um,
0: Great for food as well
1: It's great for food yeah. And it's a Chelsea pub as well I'm a Chelsea football fan So they always say, show the Chelsea matches there. brilliant <laughs> um, Well I've probably made loads of enemies now Man United fans, Liverpool fans <laughs> um, But what was fantastic about that was We were in the pub We were talking about the play And I just said You know you really should make this as a movie It's a movie There's never been a movie like this And I know they can do it Yeah And Petal graciously said to me at that point, she said, well, if we do, you've got to direct it. I go, no, 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 you direct it. You directed the play. And um, uh, here we are all these years later and I've ended up directing it. So uh, that's kind of how it started. But it was was certainly also the script was so good. And what's great about Christian's writing is his subtlety. Yeah. He just finds these wonderful little turns, this wonderful little turn of phrase. or uh, the, the beauty of his sensibility is throughout the script. You know, he, he really caught them spot on. And that's why it works, because it was written towards those actors. And of course, we included the actors very much at every stage of development. So that was happening during the play. And then when we decided to make it into a film, um, obviously we were doing a lot of work without knowing whether we were ever going to get the money to make yeah. the film. But Christian did a draft, and I'd give him notes on it, and then and we'd there
0: was words exchanged. What <laughs>
1: between myself and Christian?
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: has he been talking?
0: <laughs> he did on the EPK. <laughs> yeah, he does, that, no, he does it, say so. that.
1: It's I mean, I mean, it's tricky because I, clearly I'm a writer yes and uh i know how to edit a script and i know how to write a script
0: and when it's a project that you both really care about and are very very close to as well strong points of view obviously are going to be had
1: oh absolutely so. absolutely and i think as he says on the epk actually yeah. He says yeah you know it was difficult at times
0: and it was made it better
1: and, and it was yeah because it's it's hard when you i have you know I still consider myself a writer first and foremost because that's what I've done for most of my life and I want to direct more movies and, and that's where I want my future to go. But I know what it's like when you've slogged your guts out to write a script and someone comes along and says, that bit that you really loved, that's got to go. Yeah. And there may be justified reasons for it, but it still hurts. Yeah. And you react yeah. to that, you react to that instantly. It's it's a pain, it's awful. You've exposed your, you know, if we talked about writers exposing them, sorry, actors exposing themselves on film, writers expose themselves on the page. And that is so difficult, so difficult to do. Um, I can't remember who said the quote that writing's easy, you've just got to stare at a blank page or a blank screen until your forehead bleeds. <laughs> I can't remember who said that, but it's a brilliant quote. Uh, but that's that's what it's like. So yeah. I have utmost respect for writers, utmost respect for Christian. But yeah, the you know we we fought over bits and pieces, not least the end. Actually, anyone who saw the play, the play ends in a mock wedding. Yeah, And I said that's got to go. It will not work on a film because it's fine on stage because the audience have been on that journey with the actors. Yeah. Film, it, it feels like you should be more able to jump into the screen and be part of that movie process. Yeah. But it doesn't quite work like that because you've got to earn that respect to begin with. And I think, yeah. actually, funny enough, I think the movie does do that to a degree now. Yeah. But I, th- there were things in the play, for example, like the character of Andrew, played by Patrick, yeah. was written as a young person. I, he's supposed to be in his 20s now you can get away with that on stage but patrick is in his mid-40s i think yeah uh so you, it, it, the energy of the actors when they come on in the play they all run into the cinema mm-hmm. but you put a camera in front in a cinema and then have a bunch of people running in it would just look really odd yeah. but it you have that energy on stage because you can buy into that theatricality so there were things like that that had to change and obviously there were little kind of babies that were in in the play those little darlings that had to be stabbed and killed and yes. <laughs> you know uh, so so that's a difficult process but um we're still friends yeah. and we, we you know we get on and uh, I, I, and i do i i genuinely think it, it the script deserves awards
0: oh the the dialogue was just so snappy and fantastic i a lot of irish films can be so somber and heavy and it's just mm. there's such a, a lightness and funniness the characters are so warm and the there's just such a lovely relationship especially between the two leads like your your heart is bleeding for them and i do like it it's a stunning film like it's just gorgeous yeah you did you did you really did the the play justice i i think anyway so that did very well (laughs) thank you yeah and then i know you guys were up for the catalyst how is getting funding for the project
1: I, well, that was yeah. interesting in itself. So so what happened, we, we had been working on the script. So initially it was myself and Christian really powering the project uh, because Petal was uh, obviously getting on with the day-to-day running of Blue Teapot Theatre Company. Um, but every time we got a draft, we would send it to Petal and Sonia at uh, Blue Teapot Theatre Company and hopefully get notes from them. We didn't always get notes because they were so busy. So very much it was us doing it. And then Catalyst happened. And we straight away thought, This is our chance to get a producer, and both of us quite independently said, "Have you got anyone in mind? Uh, Yeah, I've got someone in mind. Who you got anyone in mind? Yeah, and who you got in mind? Edwina Falkin. Uh, That's really odd. I have Edwina in mind as well, and um, I I can't remember how uh, Christian knew Edwina, but I knew her because she taught us at Houston. Oh, (laughs) brilliant! (laughs) So at the film school, uh, Edwina came up and did the producer sections. Um, and I think Edwina had also read a script of mine previously as well, um, but we'd never actually met. Yeah. So I, 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 we both felt that Edwina had the right sensibility for this project, that she's great fun to be around and uh, that she would warm to the teapots as such. Yeah. So um, what happened then was we went down to Catalyst and I made a, a proof of concept film. So we went and we rented uh, Jury's Jury's Inn in Galway. And we shot in a hotel room there. We told them what we were doing and everything, obviously. And we did that as part of a class. So it's really funny. But I I shot the condom scene from the play. We got Robert up to do it. And um, so it was Kieran and Robert. Uh, Charlene was in it as well. But it's it's really interesting to see how far she had come along. Because I had to cut her out of the the test scene that I did at that point. Because she was just... Not quite right at that time. And um, I edited this scene together. Uh, it was funny while shooting it, actually, because there was a whole class of people behind us in the room. So there was about, I think there was about 25 people in this small hotel room. Right. And we shot this. Uh, it worked as, as a scene. It's still actually up on the internet, I think. I think you can kind of get access to it. And I think it was also shown on the EPK. And... Um, we showed that to Edwina and she just laughed at it we, you know and it was kind of hard we're in the Radisson hotel and she's looking at it on an iPad and I've plugged earphones into her and she's laughing away and she just love it she just said love it mm. that would then sound quite easy but obviously uh, I think about every filmmaker in the country went to the Radisson that day and we were all to form teams and projects and Uh, we went in with Edwina with Sanctuary and we happened to get shortlisted so I think they had 100 projects that were put in nine were shortlisted Mm -hmm. and we went for the interview down at uh, the film board and they said to us we thought it'd gone really really well it felt like a really good interview obviously I can talk Christian (laughs) can talk Edwina just sat there smiling (laughs) answering the important questions about money yeah um and we, they said to us, we think you need more money. And I thought at that point, oh, we've not got this. and didn't say anything because it still felt like it had gone well. But I thought that's the nicest reason why we're ever going to get turned down. Yeah. But they were genuine about it. They said, we think you need more money. Apply to us through the normal means. Apply to the BAI. And let's see what we can do. And effectively, that's what happened. And the BAI were fantastic, actually. They, they've been really supportive too. It's well worth pointing that out. Um, so between the two, and RTE came in as well with a, a, a little pot of money. Uh, that, uh, that gave us the funding to make the film. Um, it was... I think from when Catalyst started to to we started shooting in uh December of 2015 and finished mid January of 2016 and then the editing process began and we were obviously then came out at the Galway Film Flah we were closing film last year
0: and was it lovely to get to see it with everybody
1: I I know I was too nervous <laughs> <laughs> it, I, it, it I mean it really is funny because I don't think I've ever been so nervous in all my life as that day and it's partly because I love the flower I try to go every year and I obviously did when I was um in in Westport I would go down every year since 2010
0: yeah I think as well if you're working on a project for that long and it's been like a labor of love for Mm. a good time of it sometimes seeing it and seeing how well it's received must be a massive relief
1: Absolutely, and and it's it's true what you say about the length of time as well, because it's it's one thing to film it, it's one thing to work with the actors, but we were talking about Christian and I and how we got on, but also uh, Julian Ulrichs, our our editor. You know, anyone who knows anything about editing, give the guy a prize, give the guy a prize, because he did a fantastic job, because he was editing as we were going along, and. You watch the film and it's seamless pretty much. I mean, there's continuity errors in it. There's always going to be continuity errors in anything you do, particularly low budget and particularly with our cast and everything else. So there's things that I look at and I'm going, oh, that person was there then and this next shot, they're there. But nobody notices that on the first run. Um, But Julian had to edit that. He had to, there were times when he' said to me i am wondering about this look is is that is is that look is that the best reaction I'm going yeah, that's them that's their reaction that's how that looks good to me he's going oh, I, I don't know and it, it was a learning process for him, but he learned so quickly but also his talent as an editor he he worked on sing Street as well he's just brilliant he's just brilliant himself and russell uh, and and Michael Lamass, our sound guy. I, I, I want to work on every film with those guys because they were just so good and, and my feeling is as a director you know i want the best i'm happy to be proved wrong and as an example of that julian kept saying to me about a particular scene we had at the front of the film and he said that's gotta go it's, it's getting in the way and it was the two boys actually it was yeah. uh, uh, frank and paul and it's a nice little scene and i like the scene but i was too attached to it in the same way that Christian would have been attached to certain parts of the play. Yeah. And he said to me, you've got to get rid of it, you've got to get rid of it. I went, no, 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 I think it'll work, I think it'll work. And we did a test screening in Dublin and a few comments were, it's a little bit slow at the start. And I thought about this and I thought about this. And the next day I remember going to, to have breakfast um, in a little cafe in Dublin and I was on my way and I went, can I swear? <laughs> <laughs> I went, feck it. Yeah.
0: Oh, oh sorry, right. You're sorry, sorry. Yeah. I you were asking the people when you were in breakfast, and
1: I'm like, "Yeah, it's fine. It's the internet." I, I, I just, <laughs> I, I, my head exploded because yeah. I just knew he's right. It's that scene. That's what mm. stops it. That's what upset. And I, I texted him straight away. I said, "You're right. Cut it. We're cut it." And The rest is history. It was just, it just worked. It was just as he rightly said. We've got to stay with our couple at the beginning. Stay with them, their story, their journey in. That will work. And this little scene with Paul and Frank, as nice as it was, it just took us out of the moment. And we didn't need that little bit of explanation that was in there. And so, you know, that's, that's the whole thing about making film, is you learn as well. As long as you're open to learn, things get better. And as long as you trust the people you're working with as well. So, you know, I would trust uh, uh, Russ if he told me that the shot I was asking for was too much. Or, uh, you know, if, if it was a good shot, then I knew it was a good shot and we were on the right track. It's a conversation. It's a dialogue. It's respecting the people you're working with, yeah. and that—that that was how the whole thing went. There were no arguments. There was, you know, there was, as I say, it got a bit heated in the editing room <laughs> at the times yeah. we with, with Julian. But he's—I he's, yeah, I would have no hesitation in recommending him to anyone. But hands off, I want him for my next film.
0: So, yeah, but the pacing is absolutely perfect because it's mm. this beautiful tragic story of of some star-crossed lovers, and then you know you have these beautiful moments of comedy from these side wacky kind of side characters who your heart opens up to immediately and and the beats just work perfectly and then the comic timing like you know the, the juxtaposition from a certain shot to you know to the next scene it works really well and the the sound is so well put together and really lifts it again like it, the mood, the energy of it keeps going and really keeps you focused throughout the whole thing. So I re- that's that, another thing I wanted to ask you actually was about the sound edit.
1: The sound edit's yeah. interesting, yes. Um, the, the, I, I'm really into sound. And Michael Blamas, again, I think he is a stunning sound guy. He he is so, you you know that thing that everyone always says uh, that the drummer is always the weirdo in the band, the goalkeeper is always the weirdo in the football team, and the sound guy is always the weirdo on the film set. Yeah, yeah well, I like Michael, and I'm a bit <laughs> weird like that too, because I, I would sometimes, I'd listen through cans, and I'd go, what's that buzz, what's that noise? And we'd be looking for some machine that's in a corner somewhere. Or um, I, I think sound is all too important. It is absolutely possibly even more important than the the image because if you can't hear a line or if you can't hear what's going on, it takes you out of the film. And a a good example of Michael's skill was, um, and Russ's skill actually combined, was uh, we were supposed to be filming on the night of storm Desmond. In fact, the storm kicked up while we were filming and we were supposed to do exterior shots and where we had originally planned to do a particular shot we couldn't do it there. And I said, well, look, let's let's go down to Spanish Arch because we'll get a bit of shelter there. And it looks good. Let's film the scene there. So it's the scene with um, Tom, the care worker, and Claire, the, the hotel receptionist, where he goes in for the kiss. And it looks great, beautifully lit very romantic
0: and they just came from shop street so yeah, oh, nearby, yeah so never, it makes sense it's, as well. mo- it's yeah. movie location
1: though it, it, yeah. it is <laughs> it the, the geography of Galway is a little bit yes yeah, sorry people yeah. from Galway it, it, oh no no I thought it uh,
0: worked because that's close it's not that, far, that's, yeah, kind of, yeah
1: that, well the whole of Galway is close yeah. to a degree but there are kind of people walk out some doors and end up in different parts of Galway <laughs> um but um the, the, the It was blowing a gale and there was also a huge generator where they had the beer house for the uh, Christmas market. So there's a big constructed um, bar there and uh, Michael managed to get the dialogue recorded pretty much perfectly. It's, it's not as perfect as we w- would want if we had a bigger budget, we would have obviously been able to do other things with it or even paid the bar to turn off their generators <laughs> uh, or move them. Um, but it, it, it works brilliantly. It's still there. You go with the scene. You you make do with that little kind of issue with sound. But any other sound person other than Michael, you know, he, he's just so good. He, he got that and we could use it. And that was great. We did no dubbing on that at all because I thought, well, we'll film it and we'll probably have to dub it. But we didn't. So that's that. Uh, that's an indication of his skill. But therefore, the the sound always was important to me. What were we going to hear? What were we going to hear? And that came in also the form of the choice of songs that we had. I always knew I wanted to use Violent Femmes. Yes. Um, and it was also to do with our composer, Joe Conlon. Uh, I think Joe did the music for Lily as well, because he often does work with Graham. And I've worked with Joe on everything I've done. Um, He's an amazing composer, and I always give him tricky things to do as well, yeah. and he just he's just fantastic, and his score is so subtle throughout the film, and it was lovely to see we had I think we had a review today in the Times that mentioned Joe as well, which right. was fantastic because usually uh, score composers don't you know unless you're Leonard Bernstein or or, or Williams or um, um oh what's his name Beetlejuice. Danny Elfman, um, but very much that soundscape all has to work together, that sound edit all has to work together, so it was quite a long sound edit, and uh, putting in all the Foley sound effects, music, different channels, we did do some ADR, not as much as I thought we'd have to do, in fact it was only two days ADR that we had to do, and I'd defy you to find the places where it is, yeah. because... Uh, the, the guys at Gorilla, Barry Reed, uh, who runs Gorilla, did a fantastic job and really went out of their way for us. They really believed in the project, and um, I can't recommend them highly enough for that as well. But just spot on, spot on stuff. Um, so that was important to me, and it's all kind of come together in in that technical way. And I I think it's interesting actually because it's you know I'm not a young person as you can tell, uh, and I've been around a bit, but. It's interesting where you find yourself in your life. Because I think if I tried to make a film like this earlier in my career, I'd have messed it up. Definitely would have messed it up. But I've got the patience now, the respect now. And it just all came together in this this particular moment. I don't know whether that will happen again.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's very important subject matter as well. Um, definitely, people with disabilities aren't fully represented in television. Um do you, are you happy with the story that you told would you like to do more
1: with with the way the story is told in this film i yeah. think it yes i am i am i don't think there's anything i would really change uh, i have been asked you know um, i can't remember who asked it but somebody asked me about you don't see any point in the film where the the guys are abused by the members members of the public yeah Uh, There's nobody shouts horrible words at them or anything like that, which is part of their lives, actually. They do get that. And, um, you know, I've seen it personally as well and and had to deal with it on occasions. But within the film, I think we did have a scene where we were going to have people kind of tutting and what have you in the cinema, the talking that goes on. There's a little bit of that, but actually it's happening because it's quite reasonable that if you go to a cinema... You should be able to expect to watch the film without people having conversations behind you. Yeah. Um, and I think it it's just, it just doesn't need to be there because we all know that, we all see that. And the power of this film, I think, is in the fact that I've had so many people come up to me after the film. In particular, I'm reminded of in Sydney, in Australia, where a woman came up at the end of the film and said, she was crying and she just said, I never realised, I'm 60 years old and I never realised that people with intellectual disabilities have the same thoughts and feelings that I have and the same wants and desires. And she felt bad because of that. But I thought about that and I thought, you've got no reason to feel bad because actually it's never been on our screens. We don't see that because it's either an issue-led drama or it'll be a documentary about those things like... um, What's that wonderful documentary that was done in the sixties about the mental institution? Film film history going out of my head at the moment, but uh, mm-hmm. everyone's going to be <laughs> telling me what that is. T- tit follies
0: comments below and yeah, tit
1: follies. I think it's yeah. yeah, something like that. It's something like that, um, but you know that that's what people are used to, or then the over theatricalised Frank. Um, um, not Frank, Tom Hanks playing uh, Forrest Gump, uh, Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman, even to a degree Daniel Day-Lewis playing someone with a physical disability, which is cerebral palsy. Everyone Mm -hmm. thinks that's intellectual disability, it's not, It's, it's a physical disability. But we're used to seeing that, but seeing real actors on our screen who have the disabilities that they're supposed to have in the movies, we don't see that very often and we especially don't see it with intellectual disability um and I and you know as much as people love the film garage and I you know I think garage is a great film and Lenny's a great director and Pat's a great actor I just always say imagine that film now that you've seen sanctuary with Kieran Copping during the role of Josie that that you know it'd be a different film and it's because we I don't think it's acceptable anymore for for an able actor to get up and gurn away at the camera pretending that and I've done this myself. I have to say, you know, I played plenty of dim-witted burglars that clearly, if you look back, if I look back on it, yeah, yeah. that was an intellectually disabled character. As actors, we want to do the work. Yeah. And uh, we w- and also, we want to inhabit that person. It, it is worth talking about that from an actor's perspective. You know, Daniel Day-Lewis clearly wanted to inhabit... Um, the 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 characters that he does it so so much so christy brown um lincoln uh the the guy he plays in gangs of new york you know he 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 transforms himself because he wants to occupy that person it is my theory that actors are kind of self-loathing to a degree and that's why they spend their time wanting to be someone else but I only know that and can say that because I've done that. Yeah. And I think writers are very similar as yeah, well. Yeah, I was going to say,
0: that sounds very familiar. <laughs> that's, that's well, the, the only yeah. difference
1: is we're megalomaniacs because we play all the characters <laughs> in us. Definitely. So, so yes, yeah, so I think there's, there's something to do with that. But the power of the film is in that cast. It is in the fact that we use humour as a weapon rather than... Um, Bashing people over the head with social realism, though I love social realism. But you know, for for this, it was the way they wanted to tell the story as well.
0: I think it does come across that it's their it's their voice and it's their world. I do think it like it does something special that a lot of other films haven't done.
1: I, I think people are better for seeing it. Yeah. It, it. It really is odd, but it does change people. Again, you know, people come out laughing, people come out crying. Um, and and it, it's not that sad, but it's just you, You, one uh, friend of mine who is a writer said to me uh, that when they first started watching it, they were so amazed by what they were seeing on the screen that yeah. they, they forgot to follow the story for a bit. But then they go into it and they, they just forget that they're watching disabled actors on screen or actors with disabilities is the correct way to say it they forgot that and they just follow the story and i think it does yeah. drag you in and i must have seen it god knows how many times now and but i still go in and sit and watch it if i'm doing a q and a or or um, you know if the space um and it always drags me in as well and i i i, I sometimes forget that i've directed it and yeah. just get involved with that world that's on the screen but again yeah. you know it's it's just it's not that often in this day and age of the superhero film, the, the big tentpole blockbusters that you can actually go and watch a film that really affects you emotionally, that really affects you in terms of telling you something that you've never seen before.
0: On that note, everybody makes sure that they catch um, Sanctuary, which is out in cinemas and which cinemas now? Where can uh, I see
1: it? Now, now I have to remember all the cinemas. Uh, it is on in Galway, it's on at the I Cinema and the IMC Cinemas in Galway. Uh, so everyone knows where they are. And then in Dublin, we are on at the IFI, we are on at the Lighthouse Cinema, we are on at IMC in Dunleary, and uh, we are also on in Dundrum. At, I can always, because I, I always go to say Movie World, which is the Mayo Castle Bar Cinema. Um, Dundrum movies movies Dundrum I think so yes fantastic cinema it's in the Mets I've been in there it's really luxurious so uh, get along to one of those screenings
0: excellent and thanks so much for talking to me. no us. thank you Gemma excellent. it's been
1: a pleasure